0: 23, talking about prophecy. There are many teachers that compare things in the news with prophecies in the Bible, and they uh, try to intertwine them together so that we can see a one-for-one relationship between Bible prophecy and events taking place in the world today. And generally, they're accurate about uh, 20% of the time. (laughs) You see the problem there. The problem is 80%. And uh, so when we try to tie things together, they may actually be accurate in the future of some time, that things are fulfilled in the future, but we can rely too heavily on um, the opinion of Bible prophecy rather than on Scripture itself. And so I try not to, I always use a disclaimer when I'm speaking about Bible prophecy. um, I, I use the disclaimer, hey, this can happen in a year, in a week, in a month, or 10 years. Because God has his own timeline and he's not changing it based on what we're doing you know uh, sometimes we think that oh you know we can usher in the kingdom of god if we do things different I, I mean people hey the iranians think that they think that if they cause enough anarchy in the world the 12th imam will come and and he's coming with jesus by the way <laughs> and uh, they believe that and and really this isn't you know, uh, this is what they believe. And they believe that he's going to come establish his throne. Jesus is going to help out because he's a nice guy. And uh, they're, they're going to be elevated to, um, you know, the highest status in the kingdom of God. And, and so these are things that other people believe. Other people believe that they're going to become gods. They're going to have their own worlds. And stuff. And, and they get that out of the same Bible that we read. Uh, so, um, how? Because people read the Word of God and adjust it to their belief system rather than belo- adjusting their belief system to the Word of God and being sure that it's in touch with the Word of God. So prophecy is something given to us. In the Old Testament, prophecy was given to us by many different people. You know, Jeremiah, and then you had, you know, David gave us prophecy. And you have Isaiah, and, and you know, Zechariah, and, and and Amos. They all gave different prophecies. Daniel. And then, you know, then we have the time of Jesus. We had, you know, uh, Jesus actually gave prophecy plenty of prophecy for us to understand. Uh, Paul, you know, and, and Peter. Peter, Paul, Mary gave us prophecy. Peter, Paul, and Mary gave us prop not, not, not the folk group, but I, so people, Mary gave us prophecy? Yes. Mary told Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant with the Messiah. He didn't believe at first, you know. but she gave him prophecy. She said, hey, this is what's happening. So we have plenty of prophecy to tell us what we could expect from the Old Testament perspective in the New Testament, and those prophecies have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And then even Old Testament prophecies that tell us what's gonna happen in the future. And so we're still waiting for them to take place. You would think, since everyone has pretty much the same Bible, it doesn't matter which translation you have. pretty much all the translations say the same thing, unless you're using, um, you know, like the Jehovah Witnesses translation, a New World translation, they they change words and they take things out of the Bible and they, and they modify it. Um, the message gets more into a commentary than it is really, uh, you know. But when you're looking at these translations, Um, then you can pretty much see the same theme, the same story in the Bible. We use the New King James Version as uh, we read the Bible. We understand what the text means because um, the Holy Spirit interprets the Bible for us. Now, there are people that don't believe the same thing that we believe. There are people that are amillennialist. If you don't know what that means, that means that they believe that the millennium has taken place already um, and that we're living in the millennium right now. It started in 70 AD and that we're living in the millennium right now. A millennial that just means, hey, everything's a millennial after 70 AD. All of Revelation took place in 70 AD, is what they believe. Okay, so. You would think, okay, well, they're just this small, exclusive group. More than 50% of the churches believing in Jesus Christ today. More than 50% of the churches are amillennialist. Uh, my facts for that um, go online. Uh, I, um, I can't. I. I could spend three weeks telling you all of the details, but the fact of the matter is most Presbyterian churches, all the Catholic church, um, there are many Baptist churches even that believe that. There are the Methodist church that believe that. Uh, this isn't something that is exclusive uh, to um, you know, un- un- unusual or churches that are... Um, you know, out of the norm. Many, most Lutheran churches also are amillennial. So, um, I'm not slamming them. Uh, a lot of those people are still gonna be in the rapture. They just don't believe it till it <laughs> happens, you know. They're gonna say, what am I doing here? Uh, you know, they're, they're gonna be part of it. It's because God's word is true whether we believe it or not. There are people that are going to be left behind and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? And he's going to say, I knew you not. I didn't, never knew you. And and so it's going to be a very confusing thing for many people. But uh, for most that actually know and understand the word of God, see, I take the literal Interpretation of the Word of God first. Everything is literal unless it is an allegory. Unless it says, "Hey, I saw something like." Well, if it's something like, then it isn't literal. It's something like, uh, you know. And then when you have poetry, it's poetry. Because if we look at it and think literal, Solomon had a weird-looking wife. <laughs> you know. I, I mean. Uh, uh, we're not going to go there. Anyway, the scriptures tell us what we should expect to see in the last days. We begin with Daniel chapter 12 as a snapshot in verse 4. This is what Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 says. Now hold on, let me give you a little background. Daniel has already given us plenty of prophecy. I'm not going to get into the 70-week prophecy, that's a full teaching. If you want to hear the teaching of the 70-week prophecy, everything's online. I've got the whole teaching on the 70-week prophecy, gives us details of what it means and how it pertains to us today. But in in general, the 70-week prophecy says, hey, there are seventy sevens or 70 weeks of years, 490 years that are given to men. Um, for, and this is given to the Jewish church, not to the church, but the Jews. It was given to them. And so we haven't completed all of those years. We've completed uh, 463 of them, and then Jesus was cut off in that 70-week prophecy. Now we're waiting for the final seven weeks of that prophecy where God deals with the Jews for those final seven years. When is that? Tribulation. That's when the church is no longer here because God focuses attention on the Jews again for those seven years. And uh, so like I said, I can, I can go on for hours explaining all these details, but here Daniel was given these prophecies and then an angel was given him this prophecy and then in uh, in Daniel 12, 4, the angel tells Daniel, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. So the book of Daniel was shut up and sealed, meaning it wasn't clearly understood what Daniel had written. But now we understand it absolutely, fully, and clear what Daniel had written. So if it says seal the book until the time of the end, that means it's the time of the end. Because we can understand clearly what Daniel has written. And then it even gives a description of what the end will look like. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Many shall run to and fro. So, uh, this isn't talking about joggers. This is talking about travel. Can you consider what it was like 250 years ago when you traveled? To get from England to the United States. Uh, To get from Phoenix to Israel. I I mean, it, it would take months in some cases to get there, Through the travel, through, you know, we we had horses have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And that was the fastest form of transportation for many thousand years. And then uh, the ships came, locomotives, and then we started with the automobile, and then aircraft. Look at what we're capable of doing and traveling today. It's amazing. Many shall run and they'll run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Has our knowledge increased? Uh, You know, to the point where we think we are God. We see, that started in the Garden of Eden. Oh, you will have the knowledge of God if you eat this fruit. And that's why God is afraid. He doesn't want you to eat that fruit. You know, and they were like, oh, I want to I want that knowledge. I no you don't. You know, would I give it up, you know, just so that I can have Yeah, absolutely, but too late. I was born into this. So, now we understand what the prophecies of Daniel are. And so this gives us a picture of what the end times will be. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Um, We also understand what the church is going to go through when we're told now the Spirit, in verse 1, expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's taking place in a big way in the church today. People are leaving the church to go to other churches that are teaching things that are not factual, that are not biblical. But they fit their lifestyle. They fit what they want to hear. And that's what they go. If, If you were told hey mcdonald 's Big Mac. If you knew that mcdonald 's Big Mac provided all of the nutrients and proteins and and food and and and, and all and all the requirements that your body needs to survive, all you have to do is eat one Big Mac every meal three times a day that 's all and you would be you know some people would try it I mean realistically, some people would think, okay, well, you know, if it's on the internet, it must be true, and I'll go ahead and try it, you know, and in six months, they'll realize, if they're still alive, that it was not true. And so a lot of people, but if they're still alive, they may think, well, I'm doing better than I was back then. People get caught up in in silly stuff, but, People leaving the church. See, in my mind, these aren't people that walked away from salvation. I believe that these are people that were never saved in the first place. They never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I believe once someone receives the Holy Spirit in their lives, they will understand, they will know that that's not true. What I'm being told here is not true. And and it, it just offends me just hearing it. And so they keep themselves separated from that. See, in 1 Timothy 4, 2, it says, Speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You see, they leave the church, they go to someplace else, and then they speak lies about the true church and their are conscience is seared because they don't want to believe what the Bible has to say. It It is offensive to them, so they want to cut that off. And their conscience is seared. God says, okay, if that's what you want to believe, you know, Pharaoh had 10 chances to get it right. And his conscience was seared because he wouldn't get it right. He, he, he sealed it for himself. So these people are looking to have inclusive churches that will include them, include everything. Oh, we're all one big family. And and there are many churches out there that say there are many ways to God. You know, my Bible tells me there is only one way to God. And the road is narrow for those that are going to go there. But... There's a broad road that leads to destruction. Some say they don't want to go to church because there are hypocrites in the church. Absolutely true. Don't go because you'll just be adding one more. And, And so, you know, keep yourself out of the church. The longer people stay out of the church, the less likely they are to come back to the church because the more comfortable they will be being out of the church. So it's just something that we have to decide for ourselves, you know what, I want to be in fellowship with the, with the flock, with God. You know, it isn't that you know, all of us, we, we are saved collectively, we're saved individually. We get together so we can encourage each other collectively. So sometimes it's better not to have people in the church that have these other beliefs because they infect the church with the apathy that they bring into the church. But this isn't something new. Peter wrote about this in 2 Peter chapter 3, where he writes, Beloved... I." Now write to you in the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue, as they were from the beginning of creation. So here's the first clue. Um, they are scoffers in the last days that walk according to their own lusts. First clue. You walk according to your own lusts. You have made yourself God. You pretty much have said, I'm okay with what I'm doing. And I'm going to continue to do it. But in doing that, you have to justify why I'm not going to believe in God, why I'm not going to walk with God. And then it's the reasoning that they use. Nothing has changed. Everything has been the same. And they go all the way back to the beginning of creation. They said, it's been, really? There's that little interlude called the flood Things were not the same at that point. Okay? There, there were eight people that were saved through the flood. Everyone else died. Probably over hundreds of millions, probably billions of people died during the flood. Uh, so it, you know, I'm sure those people at the time of the flood thought the same thing. Everything's the same. We have no concerns. What That idiot out there building a boat on the land, they've never seen rain before. And so, it didn't make any sense. Hey, I've never seen the rapture before. I just know it's going to happen really soon. Whenever it happens, I'll, I'll be ready because that's what I'm called to do. So, you know, a lot of people don't believe in the rapture. They just, they either... Or they change when they believe. Uh, Some people are post-trib rapture. They believe at the end of the tribulation, we're going to go up and be raptured then. Okay, I just can't see that anywhere in the scripture. I've seen people read scripture and tell me that's what it says. But I can't agree with them at all about what it says. Because there are too many other scriptures that contradict that point of view. I am a pre-trib rapture teacher. Why? Because in my study of the Bible, that's what I believe. And it's just for me, that's what it spells out. Other people can believe you can believe whatever you want. And if you want to stay here when I get raptured, you know, that's between you and God. But I believe everyone goes when the rapture happens, when no no matter when it happens, Everyone that's a true believer in Jesus Christ is going to be going. So it it doesn't, uh, you know, but I believe we should be prepared for it to happen anytime. Whether it's today or a hundred years from now, I, I believe that we should always be prepared. So how does the church resolve these issues? Well, in 2 Timothy 4, in verse 3, We read about these end times, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's happening today. We see that in the church in the world today. Many Christians finding places to teach what they want to hear. But how about all those that aren't Christians? They're doing the same thing. They're raising up for themselves teachers that tell them and leaders that tell them what they want to hear. And people are following and believing what they're climate scientists We've raised them up and now elevated them to the top level of science. Anyone that doesn't agree with them is wrong, is not a scientist at that point. You know, And, and for me, I agree with them. It's, the, the weather is gonna change. We're gonna have weather like no other during the tribulation. Sun's gonna be darkened, there's gonna be hailstones, there's gonna be all kinds of stuff, you know. So climate change, I'm a believer. Okay, I just don't wanna be here for it. Okay, I I wanna be out of here. And I believe that we will be. But there are people that that's where their hope is. We're told that uh, the climate is gonna change by one degree, the temperature, one degree in 100 years. How do they know that? They've been keeping track of this for a couple of hundred years, maybe even a thousand years, let's say. But the earth is a little older than that, you know, and, and they don't have accurate records of everything that happened. So, you know what we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just try to um, figure out what's going on today rather than worried about 100 years ago and, and we have to change everything that we do today. Because I don't necessarily, if you're a climate, you know, person, you go right ahead. That's, but for me, that's not even important. I'm a Jesus person. And I believe that he's going to return before I have to worry about the climate or I'm gonna die and be with him and I'm still not gonna worry about the climate at that point. The climate in heaven doesn't change, ever. Doesn't matter if I bring my car or not. (laughs) They don't have electric vehicles up there. So, there are people that believe that fourth graders can identify their own um, sexual identity and they can change their identity base. Fourth graders, if we did that 25 years ago, we'd be in jail, prison. People would be in prison. People would be mocked, and they would be in prison. Drag queens at schools reading to children. Really? That's okay. That's acceptable. The world says it is. Marriage? not just between a man and a woman anymore. I can't wait to see what they're going to come up with in five years. Because we change rapidly from, you know, okay, it's okay if you're two consenting um, you know, uh, people that are the same sex, you can have marriage. I knew, as soon as they passed that, that it was going to be a downhill, slippery slope. It was going to get bad real quick. It did, and it's getting worse. They just passed the Respect for Marriage Act. It probably won't hold up in the Supreme Court, but here's their idea. Their idea is to take away our right to believe in the marriage between a man and a woman. See, we as churches don't even have a right to believe that, and if we try to hold up that right, we will be in violation of the law. That's what that new law they just passed two weeks ago is about. They just passed it. These are the people in charge and these are the people that people are following. Uh, People believe what they're telling, what they're being told by our government, by our scientists, by our school teachers, that They they need they need to have a lobotomy. Okay, I'm not a doctor, so I can't really say they need to have. Maybe they need something else, but but they shouldn't be spreading their stuff on our world because this is completely insane. Who would have thought it would be like this today? Uh, It's just insanity. We're told in second. Thessalonians 2, beginning in verse 1, how we need to be focused not on these things, but on the truth. Second Thessalonians 2, 1 says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter as it is, uh, as if from us as though the day of the Lord had come. They were dealing with this 2,000 years ago. The Thessalonians believed the day of the Lord had come, although he had already taught them that wasn't going to be the case. But that's what they were believing because others, it says, by letter or by word, others were teaching them that it was happening, that it happened, that Jesus had come, and they missed out. They were left behind. That's why he's writing this right here. Let no one deceive you by any means. Jesus said that in Matthew 24. Don't let anyone deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So the falling away, the apostasy of the church, falling away from the truth has come. The next thing on the schedule is that day. That day will not come until the falling away happens. Interesting is that some now are interpreting that day and the falling away. They are interpreting the falling away to mean the rapture and the capturing up. And the falling away from the earth and and being caught up. They're saying that it has the same meaning and background understanding. Not my particular understanding of scripture. Looking at the Greek and understanding what it says. Not my particular understanding. But if you want to believe that, go right ahead. And it fits. Because... The rapture will happen, that day will come, and the man of sin then will be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is not a one-day event, okay? When we're talking about the day of the Lord, we're not talking about a one-day event here, We're talking about the day that the Lord fulfills his judgment on the earth, not judgment as an eternal judgment, but you know what? You guys had had plenty of time to figure this out. You've had plenty of believers, evangelical Christians that teach the truth of the word of God. So you've had plenty of time to believe the truth and now I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to take them out of the way. That should get everyone's attention, right? All the Christians are gone. What's going to happen next? There's going to be a group of people that say, yeah, well, that wasn't God. That was, you know, them being taken out of the way because they were liars. They were haters. They didn't believe everything that we were doing. They didn't believe that, you know, that there are 82 different sexes, you know, or uh, whatever genders, you know. They didn't believe that, so God took them out of the way. It, it, that's probably gonna, or the aliens. Oh, yeah. The aliens came to wipe them out because they're, they, they didn't believe in aliens, they, you know, and, and so the aliens came, whatever it is, If people believe what our government is doing, what our leaders in politics are doing today, if people are so inclined to believe what they're being taught today by those people, this will be a shoe in Oh, they can believe that. Because people want to believe whatever it is that makes them comfortable with themselves. That makes them, you know, perfect. And that's part of what they're going to believe. But the Holy Spirit is the one restraining. Uh, restraining? It doesn't appear to be restraining anything, right? Because of what's going on in the world, we think that, you know, there's nothing being restrained. I mean, the evil is out there. Good is called evil, and evil is good. It's craziness. It's. It's insanity. But in Second Thessalonians 2.6, we read, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. This is speaking of the Antichrist. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Folks, it's not a mystery to us. We look, if you watch the news, first of all, I feel sorry for you. Second of all, you see the lawlessness, you see what's going on, and as Christians, it's irritating. It bothers us, it gets us upset, it can frustrate us, but we see it. It's not a mystery to us, it's a mystery to the world, because the world can't figure it out. Lawlessness. Is there any lawlessness in the United States right now? Uh, uh, You know, we have it pretty good here in Fountain Hills, I I have to tell you. We have it really good here. But there are cities that are, are, you know, just being ravaged by lawlessness. And there are leaders that are in those cities that want more, that want to take away the laws Uh, to protect the criminals rather than to protect the victims. It's crazy. It's insanity. That's the lawlessness that the world can't figure out. It's a mystery. And only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. This he is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he's restraining the actual work of Satan until he is taken out of the way. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? In us. The Holy Spirit resides in us. Now, when we are taken out of the way, that doesn't mean there's no more Holy Spirit. I think two minutes later, there's going to be lots of Holy Spirit. in all those people that have heard for so many years that the rapture was coming, that Jesus is true, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm busy right now. And all of a sudden the rapture happens and they say, oh, they were right. And now they become believers. They receive the Holy Spirit then at that point. But the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way in the form of the church that is stopping and holding back some of this stuff that's happening. It's just not as effective uh, because of us, really. And then the lawless one will be revealed who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So in verse 4 where it says who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself to be God. That is mid-trib- That's the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Okay, so that's Part, But that's not when he's revealed. He's revealed as soon as he signs the decree to allow the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And when he signs that decree, that's, oh, that's the Antichrist. But if the Holy Spirit has removed the Christians from the world, there's not going to be too many people that are going to stand against him. They're going to point him out. And so three and a half years after he signs this agreement with Israel, allowing them to rebuild their temple, he erects a statue of himself in the Holy of Holies and then declares himself to be God. And that's, so these words that are being used aren't just talking about a specific day. And when it says the lawless one who will be revealed... Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. That doesn't happen even after seven years. He isn't consumed with the breath of his mouth. Why? Because he's put into a hole for a thousand years while the millennium goes on. And then after the millennium, he's released for a season so that he can deceive those that were born during that period. During that millennial reign. And he's then let out to deceive the nations one final time before the final judgment when he will be destroyed at that point. So verse 8 sounds like the lawless one is um, going to be destroyed right away. I just want to make it clear. These things take place over uh, a period of time. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, uh, we're told that we are not going to experience this um, tribulation period. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not appointed to wrath. When is the wrath of God poured out? Some people say, oh, it's the sixth seal that that's when the wrath of God is poured out. I believe it's the first seal. I believe it's the point when we start the process of what's going to take place. Well, there is no wrath poured out. It's just horses being let out of the stable, you know, and so on and so forth. I believe that as soon as he's revealed, the wrath of God will start to be poured out. It's just not discernible. Well, first of all, because we're not here. The wrath of God will be poured out through uh, these instruments that he's going to use. That's another two-hour teaching. But we go into Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 where Jesus gave us a warning. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world To test those who dwell, dwell, excuse me, on the earth. So he is going to test those who dwell on the earth. He's not going to test us because we're not here. He's going to test everyone that is on the world. Okay, so that, I know that that sounds like I'm nitpicking there. Not at all that's clear that he is not going to test us with his trials, his wrath upon us. We go through trials just like every other human on earth. We go through persecution just like every other human on earth. It rains on the just and the unjust equally. We all experience the things that humans experience, but we won't experience the wrath of God. So after these things, John writes in Revelation chapter 4:1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, One and one sat on the throne. So here is a picture of the rapture. John hears a voice, come up here, he comes up there, and that's the last time we hear about the church. Until chapter 22 in Revelation, the church is not mentioned again in all of Revelation. So uh, this kind of shows you uh, the church isn't here during all those things that are going to be taking uh, place there at that time. Uh, How can we be so sure about that? Well, We can't be positive about everything that uh, we talk about in the Bible because we get more knowledge as time goes on. We get more wisdom and understanding as time goes on. But clearly, We are knowledgeable about these things because they're happening right now before our very eyes. We're seeing all of these things come to fruition and so it's easier to paint the picture. Uh, 30 years, 40 years ago, uh, the picture of Russia attacking Israel didn't make any sense whatsoever. Russia joining with Iran to attack Israel made no sense whatsoever, at all. Uh, It it would be, that's just impossible. That's why people thought it was impossible. That's why people didn't believe in prophecy, because it didn't make any sense. Ezekiel wrote it 600 years before Christ when he wrote about this war that was going to take place. There wasn't even a Russia. There were a bunch of cave dwellers living up in the Moscow region. That's what they were, cave dwellers. And not cave men, but that's where they lived, in caves up there. And, and so he wrote it because God told him to wrote it, or write it, and he did. And he wrote it, and now it makes sense to us because all of, all of the players are taking their place on stage. They're all now setting up for the final act and we're seeing it play out right before our very eyes. So now we could say, oh, I can see how Russia and Iran, they're working together as a matter of fact. Iran's providing drones to Russia. Hey, did you hear about North Korea sending five drones into um, South Korea over Seoul, South Korea and sent them in and Seoul was able to do nothing. Those five drones went back to North Korea undamaged. Even though they launched their army, uh, their, their planes and their helicopter, they didn't, weren't able to do anything to the drones. Now North Korea knows. what's. Uh, how does that fit into the Bible? Well, there's a story. No, I'm kidding. There is no story. <laughs> it's just part of the big picture. Unrest, wars, rumors of wars, famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these things are the beginning of troubles. We see them now. It's the big picture is being painted right before our very eyes. And so the word wrath is mentioned 11 times in the book of Revelation and it speaks of the tribulation. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 1 we read but concerning the times and seasons brethren you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as the thief in the night. We've been teaching that ever since we were a church no one knows the day or the hour. Anyone that's tried to predict it has looked Stupid! after they did. And after the dates have passed. No one knows the day or the hour. But in verse 3 it says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Notice, it says, For when they... It doesn't say when you say peace and safety. It says when they say, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them. It's not talking about the church. It's not talking about the people of God. It's talking about them, whoever they are. And I would have to assume it's people that are not the people of God, since it makes sense. But you, brethren, who's you? Us. You, brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We're not in darkness because we have the light of the world living within us, telling us what the truth is. And we can believe. So Jesus is going to return, take his church away, and then he wants us to be prepared for his return. He said so in John chapter 14 in verse 2. He said, in my father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. He didn't say, I'm going to come again to set up a throne. And then you can all come to Jerusalem and hang out with me. He didn't say that. He said, I will come and I will receive you to myself. Jesus talked about the rapture. People said Jesus never mentioned the rapture. Right there. Clear as day. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know the way. Uh, or, yes, where I go, you know. And the way, you know. We know. How? How? his word, tells us what we need to know and how to get there. So how can we be sure? Matthew 24, 42 says, watch therefore for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. It's an hour we don't suspect. We don't know exactly the day or the hour, but we do know the season that we're living in. That's what we've been told over and over again. Back in 1 Thessalonians in verse 5, we're told, for the Lord did not, uh, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not appointed to wrath, we're appointed to salvation. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, In verse 11, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Hold on, let me comfort you. Right before Jesus comes, we're going to be going through trials, tribulations. We're going to get beat up. He's going to smack us around and then he's going to come and take us away. That's not very comforting. Uh, What's comforting is that he's going to take us before that starts to happen. So that we can have comfort, we can have peace, and we should be edifying one another with these words. You know, it sounds like judgment for our sins, having to go through wrath ourselves, having to experience, you know, the, uh, jud- uh, judgment of from God of some sort, um, trials from God. Trials are just part of being human, but not trials from God. So we're living in the days where we can expect his return at any moment. The author of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, tells us how we can be prepared. He said, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider each other, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The falling away is going to happen because people don't listen to this. They fall away. Can you imagine how many people are listening online, won't attend a church, but they watch online and that's their church for them. Some of you, I understand, are watching online because you can't attend the church. That's understandable. But there are many that are online that have options of going to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and they have the ability to do that, but they don't. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about any Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. We need to be in fellowship one with another, encouraging one with another. So... Let's keep encouraging each other, exhorting each other, praying for each other, because our redemption is very near. Amen?